traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Welcome, folks, to this week's edition of More Money. I'm your host, Steve Moore. Uh, I am an economist. I am with FreedomWorks. I'm with Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Uh, it is a privilege for me to do this show every Saturday at 2 p.m. Uh, and so thank you for joining me. This is 77 Talk Radio WABC, the greatest talk radio station in the United States of America. So it is a privilege to be with you. What an incredibly gorgeous, marvelous, superlative weekend we have here all along the East Coast. I hope you get out and enjoy the sunshine and the fresh air and go to the park, go to the golf course, go to the tennis courts, get out, get exercise, get sunlight, get the fresh air. It's the best way to keep yourself healthy. But for now, please stick with us throughout the hour because we have an incredible show lined up with uh, my friend Steve Moore, uh, Steve Forbes and, uh, and Peter Roth, who's one of the top political analysts to try to sort out what the heck is going on with the Biden administration. I believe that this administration is off to the worst start of any presidency uh, in my lifetime. And I'm 61 years old. So I, I remember Richard Nixon. I remember Jimmy Carter. I remember Reagan. I remember Clinton. I remember the Bushes. I remember, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, President uh, Barack Obama and uh, President uh, uh, Donald Trump. And I think this president is off to an abysmal start. And I cannot point to one thing that this president that is do he is doing right on the economy. Now, you know, obviously, the fiasco that's going on in foreign policy with uh, with the uh, turning our back on the people of Afghanistan and the, uh, the real dangers this president has put us in with respect to terrorism by putting our tail between our legs and leaving Afghanistan without any kind of uh, contingency plan. Uh, but you also see what's happening on the border every single day. And by the way, I'm very pro-immigrant. I think immigrants are great for our country. They're amazing, amazing assets. When they come into the country the right way and work hard and build a better life for themselves and learn the language and be part of our culture and assimilate, there's nothing better. It's a, a formula for success. So if you're an immigrant listening to this show, God bless you. I love what you do for this country. But people have to come in legally. We cannot have... It is not good for our security. It's not good for our health. It is not good for uh, you know uh, the, the crime situation to be having drug runners coming in this country, uh, to have people who have not been vaccinated, people who haven't been tested for COVID. We've got criminals coming in. Uh, and this is just not the way to run a first world country that is the greatest country on earth. You got to have rules. You got to have a superb border. And we don't have one right now. And you, you know that. And then you see what's happening inflation. And I'm sorry, I'm, I hate to say this, uh, Joe Biden, I hate to say this to the Federal Reserve uh, Board people, including the chairman, Jerome Powell, I don't see inflation going away. I just don't see it. I don't see it in the statistics. Look what's happened to commodity prices. The oil price continues to rise. Food prices continue to rise. Travel prices continue to rise. We have a major, major problem on our hands right now with respect to uh, what is going on 
um, with the higher prices and people feel it. I was just looking at some polls uh, yesterday that show that Americans, one of their biggest concerns right now is that their paychecks are shrinking because the, the amount of money you have to pay out of your paycheck for gasoline, for vegetables and fruits and meats. I mean, you know, uh, I was talking to some friends who say, you know, we usually allocate about $150 a week for our groceries. They have a family of four. And he was saying, uh, now we have to pay almost $200 for our groceries because everything is more expensive. And that puts a real hardship on middle income and lower middle income families because they are their paychecks are getting stretched by all of these higher prices. And I'm sick and tired of the Federal Reserve Board and Joe Biden and the people in Washington say, oh, there's nothing to worry about with inflation. And prices aren't rising. It's just temporary. It's transitory. It'll go away. When? <laughs> when is it going to go away? Every mo uh, month that goes by, we continue to see inflation running at 5 to 6%, and in some cases, higher than that. Now, is that the end of the world? No. But you know what happens is inflation is a snowball rolling down a hill. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as it accumulates more and more snow as it rolls on. That's exactly what happens with inflation. So I'm sorry, I don't believe that we have this under control. Now, if you're with me and you think we've got a big problem with inflation right now, then what would be the single worst thing we could do? Think about this. Well, if, if we have an inflation problem, what do you do to solve inflation? Well, you increase the amount of goods and services so prices come down and you have to control the supply of money, right? We don't want to be Argentina. We don't want to be Venezuela. We don't want to be Mexico. We don't want to be Zimbabwe. We don't want to be Greece. These countries that have these currencies, they just keep printing money and they're not even worth the paper they're printed on. We need to stop printing so much money. Now, why is the Fed printing money? Well, obviously, they have to do that when we borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow, and they buy the bonds. So I am worried about inflation. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Joe Biden is right. But so far, he's been completely wrong about this. And I guarantee you this, folks. And I look, I'm not 100% uh, right. I do make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I've made bad forecasts. But I can tell you this with virtual certainty. If we pass that $5 trillion spending bill that Joe Biden wants, which is not paid for. Uh, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal here, by the way, today, the editorial page. And their the first editorial is how um, Joe Biden has said, he said yesterday, get a load of this, folks. Tell me if you believe me. I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, independent, whatever you are. He says, uh, Biden says his... Uh, reconciliation bill, that's the $5 trillion spending bill. And by the way, it's not $3.5 trillion, it's $5 trillion. They're using phony accounting. They're using fake bookkeeping in Washington to disguise the cost of this bill. So Biden says yesterday, this is going to cost nothing. He says this is going to cost, quote, nothing, unquote. <laughs> Does anybody believe that? It's going to cost nothing? Of course, they're going to blow a hole in the budget. Then I'll tell you another lie that I'm just sick and tired of this president uh, saying. He is trying to tell us that no one who makes less than $400,000 a year is going to pay more taxes. How many times has he said that? 50, 100 times. Every speech he gives, only people who make more than 400000 only those top 1% are going to pay more. 
Well, my friend Kevin Brady, who is the lead Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee, which is the tax writing committee, he looks through these bills. He has done the analysis, folks. He is, he's dealing with the Joint Tax Committee and the people who are the scorers. And he reports that 75% of people who make less than $400,000, three out of four of us, are going to pay more taxes under this bill. So why does Joe Biden keep saying that you're not, your taxes aren't going to go up? You know they're going to go up if we pass a $5 trillion spending bill. And it is also not true that this is paid for. It's not paid for. They've got about $2 trillion of tax increases. That's way too much. I think the tax increases are the worst part of this bill. I think they're going to hurt our businesses. But you're not going to pay a $5 trillion. You don't pay for a $5 trillion spending bill with $2 trillion of taxes, right? You don't have to be a math whiz to understand those numbers don't add up. So I am leading a coalition across the country with my good friend, Brooke Rowling, and my good friend, Larry Kudlow. You listen to Larry, hopefully, on this station on, on uh, Saturday mornings, and you see him on Kudlow TV on Fox Business every, uh, every afternoon at 4 p.m. We are leading a coalition that is basically save the country, kill the bill. Kill the bill. We don't need it. We don't need to be spending and borrowing and taxing right now. We need to get our economy going. And somebody's got to explain to me, how are we going to get our economy going? We're going to raise taxes, our, our small businesses, our corporations, our, uh, our, uh, our uh, small entrepreneurs, our family-owned businesses that are going to pay the highest taxes in the world. I got to take a break in a minute, but I want to leave you this, with this final thought. Again, I don't care what your party is. I don't care what your philosophy is. I don't see how anybody in good faith could say that it's a good thing that Joe Biden wants to raise our taxes on our corporations and our small businesses to a higher tax rate than the small businesses and corporations in communist China. Come on, how is that gonna make us competitive if the taxes are higher here in the United States? And by the way, if you live in New York or Connecticut or New Jersey, you add another eight or 10% on top of the tax rates that Biden wants, you're talking about 50% tax rates on our small businesses. I say hell no to that. That is not a formula for success. It's not a formula for making America great again. It is not a formula for putting America first. And it is not a formula for creating jobs. I'm going to be right back with some great guests coming up. You are listening to more money on 77 Talk Radio, WABC. Keep the faith. We are going to kill this bill. Welcome back, folks. You are listening to The More Money Show on 77 Talk Radio, WABC. I am your host, Steve Moore. Thanks for joining us. And by the way, please get the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline every morning. Uh, and you can sign up for that for free. It costs you nothing. If you want to know what's going on with politics and the economy and COVID, uh, it is a great way to stay informed. Newt Gingrich the other day said it's the first thing he reads every morning, and we will send it to you for free. Just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, website and just sign up, and it will be delivered to your computer screen every morning, five mornings a week. Well, I am thrilled to have uh, two guests to, for the next uh, 20 minutes or so to talk about what's going on with the economy and a little bit about what's happening with politics and what's happening with Joe Biden's fortunes. Uh, we have uh, the great Steve Forbes, one of the top businessmen and top economic minds in the country. You all know Steve uh, Forbes from his uh, two presidential races when he really changed America. And then, of course, we have Peter Roth, who's a regular on this show, 
who is a political analyst with Newsweek. He is also our political guy at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. So gentlemen, thank you so much for joining this afternoon. Steve Forbes, I want to start with you. I was talking with our buddy Larry Kudlow today, earlier on this same station, and I made the point that I don't think in my lifetime, you may be a little older than I am, Steve, I have seen a president who has had a worse start in terms of the way he's handling the economy, the way he's handling the border, the way he's handling foreign policy. And I wonder uh, what you think, and, and if you were advising Joe Biden, how would you advise him to turn things around? Uh, well, the advice of turning things around is very simple. Take a six month vacation, all expenses paid, <laughs> wherever he, he and Dr. Joe wish to go. Same thing with uh, Speaker Pelosi and the Senator Schumer and the Democratic caucus, go away, don't do anything for six months, come back and take credit for the uh, wonderful things you'll behold. Uh, the, the, real, the real harm that's being done now is inflicted by Washington. You mentioned yep. what they're doing on the spending, tax and regulatory side, foreign policy debacle, everything they touch, they've opened up the borders. They won't admit they've done it, but that's what they've done. Over a million people in this country now illegally, and uh, they think that's a grand thing, although they pretend otherwise. So uh, just stop what you're doing, and America will take care of itself. So, Steve, uh, you know, one of the many things you are famous for uh, is you are what I call the granddaddy of the flat tax idea. Uh, and this idea that is so disarmingly simple and so incredibly pro growth that everywhere I go, uh, people say, why can't we just have a flat tax? And I, the reason I bring that up is I, I believe someday we are going to have a Steve Forbes flat tax. But when I look at what uh, Joe Biden is doing, Steve, it looks to me it's, it's the opposite of tax reform. He wants to raise the tax rates way up uh, on corporations, on small businesses, on uh, entrepreneurs, on wage earners, on investors. And then he wants to add in all these special interest loopholes, which is, you know, 25, 30 years ago, we had a kind of bipartisan consensus, especially under Reagan, of getting those rates down and getting rid of the special interest loopholes. And as I look at the Biden plan, and it came out today, it, uh, yesterday, 2,500 pages, and there are all of these carve-outs and special interest provisions and earmarks and, and uh, deductions and loopholes. I just hate it. I think it's exactly the opposite of the flat tax idea. It certainly is. And it's all done. Those carve outs as a reward friends boost uh, the various uh, constituencies the party wants uh, that thinks it has or would like to have. Hence, uh, the uh, tax deduction for hiring journalists. Hello. Why not tax, deduct <laughs> uh, tax deductions for hiring everybody? Uh, but they uh, carve these things out trying to buy uh, groups off. That's uh, their mentality, interest group mentality. And it's even worse by not having work requirements by uh, trying to uh, cosset you from uh, cradle to grave, mm -hmm. uh, they are going to end up uh, destroying people's chances to uh, discover and develop their talents, to have a more uh, a better and more vibrant future. As you know, when you uh, destroy savings, when you destroy capital, as they are doing with this bill, you're not going to get the higher standard of living. That only comes from investment, from risk-taking. As you know, most new small businesses don't succeed, but mm -hmm. those that do, by golly, we all benefit from it. So you need that risk capital. They're going to destroy that. So they're going to have a stagnant economy. And that's why the idea that Biden, President Biden said, oh, well, this is going to cost you nothing. Uh, it's going to cost <laughs> you everything. 
It's going to cost you the American dream. So, Peter, uh, Peter Roth, uh, you're probably you're a journalist, so you're probably in favor of that special interest tax deduction for journalists. Just uh, kidding, of course. But uh, we are seeing Biden. You're, you're an expert on the polling and the political outlook. And, and right now you are seeing, you know, there's just no denying it. Biden is in kind of a free fall. And uh, it seems to me that the American people are sort of saying we didn't sign up for this. You know, when we elected Joe Biden. We, we thought we were getting a centrist moderate, you know, where he kept saying, oh, you're not electing uh, Bernie Sanders, you're electing me, Joe Biden. And yet it looks to me, Peter, like this is the exact carbon copy of the AOC Bernie Sanders agenda. And it seems to me the American people just don't want it. I think you're right, Steve Moore. Um, first, it's good to be with you. And, and let me say, first of all, the country would have also been a lot better off if the Republicans had been smart enough to nominate Steve Forbes in 1996. <laughs> exactly. We would have avoided <laughs> an awful lot of mistakes um, <clears throat> that we are still paying for today. But you're right, Steve Moore, that Joe Biden came into office to enact Bernie Sanders' agenda. Um, and Bernie Sanders' agenda is to undo Reaganism. They've given Afghanistan back to the Russians. They've given Nicaragua back to the Sandinistas. They're giving control of the economy back to the labor unions, and they're attacking the productive members of society who go out and create something from nothing and in the process create jobs and raise living standards for everybody else. And as to Biden specifically, I think he was elected to do two things, fix COVID and, and don't tweak <laughs> and he hasn't tweeted, but he also hasn't fixed COVID. And so the bloom is off the rose and he has yeah. nothing left. You know, when, 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 when you can't, when your can't, entire campaign is essentially vote for me because I'm not the other guy. Um, the American people may buy off on that temporarily, particularly if, again, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and say, I'm going to fix COVID, but he hasn't fixed COVID. Foreign policy is, you know, Steve Forbes is correct. Yeah. Foreign policy is, is a disaster. America is a losing respect around the world. And he is trying to undo the 86 Tax Reform Act, which um, flattened, um, flattened the progressive curve yeah. by um, broadening the base um, and reducing rates. And once that's done, then they'll undo the 81 tax cut yeah. and take the top rates back up to 70 or 90 percent. Well, um, you know, it's a great point, Peter. And, you know, I, I'm struck by the fact that Joe Biden keeps saying in his speeches, oh, you know, we have to reverse the last 40 years. I'm like, wait a minute, the last 40 years, that's when Reagan came in and we had the Reagan revolution. And by the way, at that time, the Dow Jones was at 1,000, now it's at 35,000. So to me, this has been a pretty good 40 year run. And uh, I, I think that the, you're, you, you really put your finger on something. They don't just want to erase what Trump did. They want to erase the entire Reagan revolution that rebuilt the American economy. Maybe a lot of these people weren't born in the 1970s. They act as if the 70s was the salad days for the American economy. But, but, but I've got just one minute before we go to our break, Peter. I wanted to just ask you, the moderate Democrats, those moderates, you got you got Kristen Sinema, and you got Joe Manchin and a few others in the Senate, and you got about 10 or 15 or 20 in the House. Do you see them splintering off uh, from Biden on this big reconciliation bill that's coming up? Well, you know, I'm, the piece I'm working on now for Newsweek is 
on the myth of the moderate Democrats. And while cinema and mansion and others may be for hometown consumption, um, looking like they're sticking their thumb in the eye of Pelosi and Biden, the fact is that they've helped the process along at every stage. And if all they're arguing about is how much the dollar amount is on the reconciliation bill, the Bernie Biden budget buster, whether it's 1.5 trillion or 3.5 trillion, it still puts the framework in that will allow them over time to roll back the last four years. Um, That's not moderate. No, and that makes a very good point. We should not, uh, Steve, get caught up, as Peter points out, on the numbers, whether it's 3.5, 5.5, 0.5. It's what they actually put in. And as we all know, you've written about it. If you put in a new entitlement, you can put in $1 first-year appropriation. You yes. know in five or ten years it's going to be $30, $50, 100000000000 billion. So don't get caught up in the numbers. We've got to look at what they actually put in because we know they're All right, save that, like save that point, guys. I need to take a quick break. Uh, That's Steve Forbes, uh, the great Steve Forbes, the godfather of the flat tax and uh, one of the great uh, political and economic and business finds in America, and Peter Roth from Newsweek, and also with the Committee of the Unleashed Prosperity. We'll be right back. I want to ask Steve Forbes, uh, who is a, uh, a gold standard guy, how bad is inflation going to get? Because the uh, the Fed doesn't seem too concerned about it. I am. I want to get Steve Forbes to answer that. You're listening to more money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio, WABC. I am your host, Steve Moore, economist. I work with uh, Freedom Works. I work with the uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And we are spearheading a group called Save Our Country, Kill the Bill. Larry Kudlow is involved, the great Brooke Rollins, who worked with Trump. And we've got about 30 organizations that want to kill this bill. We don't need this bill. I've been making the case, Steve Forbes, and I want to get right to you on this, that passing a massive tax increase, passing a massive debt bill is going to make the inflation problem worse. How worried are you, Steve, about inflation? Because the Fed doesn't seem too worried about it. Uh, No, they're putting on a happy face because they know that's what the White House wants to hear. We know Chairman Powell wants to get uh, reappointed. (laughs) So uh, that's why they uh, pretend uh, what me worry attitude. And uh, but if they pass that, let's assume for a moment they pass that all five and a half trillion of it. As you know, uh, hundreds of billions a year, they're going to have to finance it. How are they going to finance it? They float bonds because obviously the tax receipts are going to be low. The economy is going to be weaker, which means less revenue. So they're going to have to uh, print the money, uh, i.e. the Fed's going to be buying the bonds. And so uh, that's going to increase the money supply. And we know that after a lag period, that's going to show up in the consumer price index. Mm -hmm. Up to now, the Fed has been playing this uh, strange game. It's uh, rather clever of uh, putting money out, you know, $120 billion a month in their bond buying. Right. And uh, what they're doing is, in effect, they put the money out into the financial system. Then they bring it back in through a device called reverse repurchase agreements, reverse repos, where they borrow it back for 24, 48 hours. It's a gimmick, an unsustainable one. But, Steve, back in February, the amount of reverse repos on the Fed's balance sheet was zero. Now it's $1.1 trillion and rising. So they've been playing games, and that's why you haven't seen a real pop yet in the gold price. But you can only do that for so long. And if they pass these bills, these budget busters, 
then uh, then uh, that dam that that uh, dam's going to break. Steve, let me ask you one more question for about this before I turn to Peter. Um, the Fed, you're right about these bond purchases, and one of the things that the Fed has been purchasing is these mortgage-backed securities, and that reminds me very much of what was happening in 2006 and 2007 and 2008 up till we had the financial crisis and the housing market balloon busting. Uh, the Fed facilitated that happening. And I'm looking at what's happening in home prices. They are way up. I'm looking at uh, the amount of investment that's going to housing. It's just, it's amazing. Now I'm not, I, I like rising home values, but I do worry a little bit that we may be making the mistakes uh, that we made back in the, uh, you know, 20 or 15 years ago. I wonder if you worry about that as well. Uh, the, the answer is yes. There are a lot of uh, bubbles up, uh, coming up in the economy. One is commercial real estate, especially in areas as uh, big cities like San Francisco and New York. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff coming online. The tenants are not going to be there. Uh, you see it, too, in uh, certain areas of housing, apartments especially. And uh, so there's a lot of building going on on the idea that uh, the demand is there. Certainly there is for housing for now. But the thing is, and the Fed shouldn't be buying mortgage-backed securities. They're buying ETFs, and in other central banks, they're doing the same thing, bad stuff. They should just stick with government treasuries instead of uh, going in for this economy manipulation. But you're right. There are bubbles out there. Some of them we don't see, and we don't know what's going to happen when they burst, what the consequences are going to be. So uh, I'm glad the Fed is having their happy hour, but uh, there's going to be a morning after if they keep it up. Yeah, it's par party like it's 1999, as Prince would say. So, uh, <laughs> Peter, uh, I want to ask Good. you both this question. I want to start with you, Peter. If uh, if uh, Mitch McConnell, who's the lead Republican in the Senate uh, and is really leading the, the team in terms of trying to block this uh, massive spending and tax and borrowing bill, uh, if he were to call you in and ask you, hey, Peter, what do we do? What should the Republican position be right now regarding all of these things that Biden is trying to do? Should it just be no, 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 no? Should the Republicans be putting out some kind of alternative agenda? Uh, and, uh, you know, should the Republicans be the party of no? I hear the Democrats saying that. Oh, all they do is say no to everything. So what, what would you advise Mitch McConnell over the next few weeks? Well, I'm, I'm, first of all, let me say that I'm a McConnell fan. I think he's been the most effective um, Republican mm -hmm. Senate leader in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh, he's accomplished a lot, and mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve the criticism that he's getting from former mm -hmm. President Trump. Now, having said that, I think that, the, I think that the correct answer is no to new taxes, no to any new spending, um, and as far as the debt ceiling is concerned, he's got the message right. The Democrats broke it. The Democrats bought it. They can pass it without Republican votes. Mm -hmm. uh, so they need to do that rather than whine. I do think that he has to offer up an alternative agenda, but not an agenda that's smaller tax hikes, smaller spending, and a lower debt ceiling increase. I think he needs to offer up specific program terminations, um, cuts in spending growth, and a mm -hmm. pro-growth tax-cutting agenda that will juice the post-COVID recovery. We were, we were headed in a good direction, and then mm -hmm. things have started to fall off. I, and, and, 
and Steve Forbes is correct that there are unknown unknown bubbles out there. Whether mm-hmm. they're whether that's a mistake or whether that's by design, I'll leave it to the listeners to decide. <laughs> so, um, Peter, let me just turn off your first. Any one of those um, could just knock us do off. You, are you hearing that, anything so. about what the Republicans will as as we start to get in election through election season uh, for twenty twenty two? Will there be some kind of new New Gingrich style uh, contract with America. Well, I I know that 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 Mr. McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, has has had conversations with former Speaker Gingrich on just that subject, on on putting together a national agenda. Now I don't know what that national agenda would be, but but they're working on it. The problem right now is that there are too many Republicans and there are too many professional business organizations like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce who are heavily invested in getting this so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill through Congress. (laughs) And that's a bad bill. It's not about roads and bridges. It's about green technology and Green New Deal. It ought to be stopped. But until we've dispensed with that, win or lose, we can't really take the Bernie Biden budget buster head on. And so people who are listening who are Chamber of Commerce members (laughs) ought to be calling the U.S. Chamber and saying the infrastructure bill you're supporting is a bad bill. Um, Don't support Uh, it. And they are. All right. Let me get to to Steve Forbes on this. And and by the way, I I call the. I call it the Chamber of Horrors lately because they've been so wrong on so many things. (laughs) And you're right, Peter, they are lobbying for this atrocious Green New Deal bill. It's not an infrastructure bill. We have to take that word out of our lexicon. It is a Green New Deal bill that will destroy uh, our energy sector in America. I am convinced of that. Uh, Steve Forbes, what would you be advising? And we've only got two minutes left. uh, What would you be advising Mitch McConnell to do at this point? At this point, uh, he's got to be uh, Dr. No, and he's a very clever parliamentarian, and that's what we have to do. Keep the caucus together, mm-hmm. uh, create the conditions where the divisions in the Democrat Party grow. And they're even, a so-called a moderate Democrat is a Democrat who's in a, a competitive district who wants to get reelected next year. Uh, that mm-hmm. defines that person's ideology, and that's what they're getting scared about. And so... Uh, uh, just uh, let those things play out. Just block. And if the price is passing that uh, what you call the Green uh, New Deal infrastructure bill, uh, I'll take that over the uh, 5.5 trillion monstrosity they're conjuring now. So I hope he offers that as bait to Should- get the say, OK, they got something passed and we're going to deep six this other one. I'd say, boy, that would be magnificent. Four big new entitlements, no big new tax increases, yep. four big new entitlements go in the graveyard. Boy, that uh, that would be an achievement. And, and do you think, uh, Steve, uh, uh, that the Republicans should, there's a lot of pressure in the media, especially in among the talking heads in the Democratic Party, that, that uh, Republicans should vote for this debt ceiling increase. I wonder what your position is. No, uh, they, they, they're, they're, they're exacerbating it fine. And they say, they'll say, well, you uh, increased the debt ceiling before. Well, sinning before does not uh, justify right. sinning in the present. <laughs> well, great, great minds think alike. Uh, you've been listening to Steve Forbes, uh, a former presidential candidate, uh, the godfather of, the, of medical savings accounts and term limits and uh, the flat tax and so many issues that have really changed America and uh, Peter Roth of Newsweek and Comedian Alicia Prosperity. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time out on your Saturday afternoon. 
We will be right back. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio, WABC. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio, WABC. I am your host, Steve Moore. Thank you for joining us for this hour, uh, this 2 p.m. hour that we do every Saturday. And uh, I want to thank my friend, John Katsimides, who is the owner an operator of this great radio station. I believe this is the number one talk radio station in America. So it's a great privilege for me to spend time with you every week. And uh, we've been talking for the last 45 minutes or so about this dreadful, dreadful, horrible, horrible, massive $5 trillion debt bill that Joe Biden wants to pass with only Democratic votes. Uh, I am doing everything uh, in my power, in my limited powers, uh, to try to stop and kill this bill. I am the head of a major coalition uh, called Save America, Kill the Bill, because I believe these taxes and the debt and the massive increase in government spending will do great, great harm to our great, great country. And one of the people who has done some frontline analysis and economic analysis of this bill, and he's just completed a study for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, is E.J. Antoni, one of the top economists uh, in terms of public policy. He is a senior fellow with uh, the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and is also, as I said, a, a senior fellow at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, one of the top state groups in America. So, EJ, thanks so much for joining us today. Steve, thanks again for having me on. So let's get right down to it. Uh, you have done a very thorough analysis of this bill. What are the worst features of the bill with respect to the, the economy? And what will the impact on jobs, on our output, on our businesses? What do you see? Well, Steve, I think the biggest thing to understand is that everything in this bill discourages investment. It discourages savings, right? Mm -hmm. And the problem is that when we have less investment, when we have less savings, that drives down wages, that drives down growth. It drives down economic progress. So mm -hmm. we end up seeing over the next decade, 5.3 million fewer jobs. We see GDP about $3.7 trillion. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. 5.3 million fewer jobs. That's right. a lot so that, of jobs. <laughs> that yeah, is a lot of jobs. About, that's got to be practically like the entire workforce of the state of Michigan. I mean, 5 million lost jobs if we pass this bill. Right. So that's it's about like four point three percent of the current workforce. So wow. we're looking at we're looking at tremendous private sector job losses. Of course, government mm -hmm. jobs would grow because of this. Right. right. But private sector jobs would would shrink. So we'll see tremendous job losses. Like I said, we'll see large losses to economic growth in terms of GDP uh, income. We're looking at about a one point two trillion dollar drop in income. So that, that equates to somewhere between about nine or $10,000 for each family in America. So this wow. is a huge, huge hit to working men and women in this country trying to support a family. And then on top of that, we're looking at adding about $4.5 trillion to the debt. And as big as our debt is right now, that's another 15.7% on top of the wow. enormous debt we already have. Yeah, so people should know that our national debt, uh, our publicly traded debt, is already at about 21 trillion. So you're talking about, and, and by the way, it's already scheduled to go up by, I don't know, roughly 
you know, eight to ten trillion just in, in terms of the what what Biden inherited because of these massive deficits we've been running in this country for the last you know twenty five years. But you're saying he, they would add what was the number like five trillion more to that? Yeah, four and a half trillion on top yeah, of the existing increases. So, uh, EJ, what would you say are the uh, the worst features of this bill with respect to the economy? Probably the worst thing that they're going to do is all the changes surrounding capital gains. So they want to increase the capital gains and dividends, the top tax rate to 25%. But when you add in the 3.8% Obamacare surcharge, now it's 288 And then once you get enough capital gains in a certain year, they tax it like regular income, which they want to tax at 39.6%. Wow. But then, but then there's another 3% <laughs> NIIT surcharge on top of that. So you're looking at over 40%. They also want to lower the top bracket threshold and they want to tax unrealized capital gains at death. So normally, right, with capital gains, you don't actually get taxed until you realize them. In other words, until you sell them because it's not income, right? It's not income yes. until you actually receive any money from it. Otherwise, you're just holding on to an asset that may go up or it may go down. You don't know. I got to tell so you, what, what I think mm-hmm. is most dangerous, you know, and I agree with everything you just said, EJ, uh, but that I want to just reiterate to our listeners how dangerous this idea is of this massive, what we call the double death tax, because we already have a death tax that people, Americans pay uh, when someone dies with a business or a farm or a ranch, they have to already pay a death tax that is as high as 35 to 40%. Then they want to add this unrealized capital gains tax, which is a double death tax. And that means, you know, somebody like my father, who spent his whole life building up a business. I've said many times on the show, I didn't see my dad a lot when I was a kid because he was working 50, 60 hours a week to build up that business. He put his sweat equity into it, build it up into a very successful company uh, and uh, had something like, you know, 50 employees. So it was a, a great company. And then uh, under the Biden plan, when he dies, he's going to have, by the way, my, my father passed a few years ago. So I'm just using this as an example that, uh, you know, under the Biden plan, he'd have to half of his, because he lives in, lived in Illinois. So you had the state death tax. He'd have to pay 50%, 50% of all the, all the money he saved and earned after paying taxes for his 88 years of his life. Then he has to pay. of that, his lifetime savings, his lifetime business goes over to the government. I find that to be so offensive, so contrary to the American dream. You know, family-owned businesses are the spinal cord of our economy. They they allowing a business to be passed from one generation to the next is is an iconic American tradition. It's what, what incentivizes people to build up these businesses that employ Millions and millions of workers, EJ. I don't even understand the logic of it. I think it's totally contrary to the American idea. Steve, I, I agree 100%. The only thing I can think of, because it, economically it makes no sense, but politically I think it plays very well, right, to have this separate class of people. It's not you that we're going to tax. It's these millionaires and billionaires that we're going to tax. But people forget that if you look at wealth, right, These are the people, these so-called millionaires, they may not have a million dollars in income, but they have a million dollars in net wealth. These are the people who own these family businesses, these family farms. Steve, I mean, on top of the capital gains taxes, 
the things they're going to do to the estate taxes are, are, are horrendous. They're going to lower the exemption. They're going to increase the top rate. So you're what, what are they what, going to lower the exemption to? They want to lower the exemption down to three point five million. Hey, stop right there, because, folks, two and a half million dollars over someone's lifetime. You know, that's I mean, it may sound a lot of money. But that's that's just a moderately successful businessman or woman or someone who's been successful in their life and saved up their money. <laughs> EJ, why would somebody save, you know, under that plan, you know, you're better off just spending all your money before you die so that the government can't tax it away. And Steve, that's exactly why this plan lowers investments so dramatically. Right. It diminishes savings between generations. So if you die and let's say you have a relatively you know, large estate that you want to leave your kids. Maybe it's a business, uh, maybe yeah. it's a farm, you know, may, maybe it's it's just a large estate because you've saved and you want your kids to have a much better life than you did. You'll get yeah. hit with the new capital gains tax rate plus that 3% NIIT. So you'll have your, your capital gains tax that you owe. And then what's left, right, now gets, now the estate portion actually gets taxed. So yeah. now you it's have a, the new higher estate tax and you have a surcharge uh, on top of that. That's another 3%. So at the end of the day, you can have a tax rate well over 70% yeah. on a large you know, estate. Uh, EJ, you're so right. And, and uh, I got, we got a break because uh, we're coming to the end of the show. But uh, that's EJ Antoni, who is a, an economist with Texas Public Policy Foundation and with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. You'll be able to find his study on those websites on the very negative impact of this uh, of this plan. EJ, thanks so much for joining us. And what EJ was saying, this is more, kind of more uh, economic lesson for the day, is that, you know, the New York Times said the other day that uh, Biden is proposing cradle to grave government. But you know, to have cradle to grave government, you need cradle to grave taxes. And, you know, we're talking about the death tax, we're talking about all of these new taxes. If you believe that only the top 1% are going to pay for this, you probably deserve the taxes that are coming your way. It is a farce. It is a lie. It is a comedy routine. You cannot get all this money to pay for all these massive government spending programs by just going after people like Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates. And by the way, they have accountants. They have tax teams. They have lobbyists. They're not going to pay more. They are coming after you. They're coming after me. They're coming after the middle class. Anybody's got money. IRA plans. They're talking about going uh, into your IRAs to take money out of it. They want your money so they can spend it. Don't let it happen. Kill the bill. I'm Steve Moore. You've been listening to 77 Talk Radio, WABC, More Money. We'll be back same time next weekend. Get out, folks. Have a great, great weekend. It's going to be splendid, marvelous. This is a great country, despite what Washington's trying to do. Have a great weekend. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.